Hi, I'm Keely Duncan, and you are listening to the Strong and Beautiful Women podcast, where strong and beautiful women share their stories. I want you to listen, be inspired, and believe in your own strength and beauty, because I believe we are all so strong, so beautiful, and so much more. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Amanda Pretty, who is one of my oldest and dearest friends. She has volunteered for the last several years teaching English at one of the United States' most dangerous prisons, Rikers, in New York City. Today, she's going to give some insight into prison life and her students and what she does at Rikers. She is so gifted in making herself comfortable in any situation and keeping it real all of the time, no matter where she is, and she's just a very talented writer as well. She is a busy flight attendant on the go, so you might hear a little background noise in today's episode, but I'm just so glad she got to sit down and chat with me. And so I hope you guys enjoy this. Here is Amanda Pretty. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on, being a part of the Strong and Beautiful Women podcast. Um, you know, I've known you for a really long time, but I've just never really gotten to ask you about your time working in prisons, and it's just so fascinating to me. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Keely. Yeah. So tell me how you got started um, doing this. I know, you know... I feel like you help people a lot, but what made you think like, oh, prisons, that's it? Or how'd you get started in this? Well, when I transferred home to Lipscomb, I signed up for a class with the LIFE program, which um, has classes that are held at the Tennessee Prison for Women, and students can take classes alongside of the prisoners who are actually earning um, first their associate's degree and then a bachelor's degree. Um, it's a really cool program at Lipscomb called the Life Program, and yeah. something Dr. Richard Good started. He's just incredible. And um, I took a Bible class um, with there were about 15 of us from the outside and 15 inmates, and I I really enjoyed that. I met some really wonderful ladies, and um, after taking that class, I volunteered a couple semesters there in Tennessee. So that's originally how um, I started that. And um, most people don't know, but most prisons have a pretty open volunteer program. A lot of prisons really rely heavily on those since funding can be really limited for programs. And so when I moved to New York, I, you know, everyone watched Law & Order growing up and Jack McCoy would always be headed to Rikers to cut a deal. And (laughs) um, so I looked it up, looked up um, the volunteer program, and I'm like a huge English nerd. And so that's what I wanted to do is help people. Initially, I was teaching English to English speakers, and the program quickly turned into um, more of like an ESL type of class which is primarily what I do now and work with um, non-English speakers. That's incredible. So tell me, like, when you first went into the prison, like, were you not nervous because it was a program with Lipscomb? Or, like, were you kind of like, what are some of the things you would see in there? Was it scary or no, not really? I don't get really nervous. Um, (laughs) You don't? (laughs) You know... I don't. I mean, I meet a lot of crazy people out here, and... um, So, and, you know, you go through 
all the security and you see, Mm -hmm. you know, at first you see, um, people, the women in the common area, they're walking in a line and, um, but for the most part, they, the, um, in Tennessee, they're pretty well behaved for the most part. And, um, the thing about the life program is that, um, in order to qualify for it, they had to, um, have good behavior and, you know, we were really working with, um, the cream of the crop there. When I got to Rikers, it was a bit of a different story as far as the population. Um, Rikers is actually um, primarily a facility for those awaiting trial. Mm -hmm. And some people are sentenced, but um, Rosie's, which is the women's facility on the island, houses um, the juvenile population, those awaiting trial, and um, a small population is actually sentenced. Um, but if your sentence is three years or less, you may serve it at Rikers. And it's actually also known as um, one of the most violent prisons in the country. Um, but I don't feel scared, especially in my classroom. It yeah. Honestly, when you're um, with these inmates, for the most part, it just feels like you're hanging out with anybody. Um, especially being a volunteer, they, you're there helping them. You're not keeping them in line. You're not punishing them, you know, so they've really, they like, they like you being there and they, um, they're very kind and, um, honestly just love having someone to talk to, I think. Yeah, I'm so sure that they do. And it seems like you get along with them really well. And I want to touch on that again, um, later. What, so you kind of mentioned like, oh, out in the common area. I think when most people think of prison, they think like they're sitting in a cell all day. Like that's not really how it is, is it? Or like, or is it? Tell me, because I don't know. So um, at Rikers, they have a PC, which is protective custody. Those inmates actually do have mm-hmm. um, their own cells. And then, um, Gen Pop or general, general population actually sleeps in sort of, think of sort of a camp cabin, um, but there's no bunk. So it's just a big open room with a bunch of beds. And then they have an area off to the side with the TV and tables and chairs. Um, so at Rikers, that's how most of the population is housed um, in those big rooms like that. Gotcha. And so you just really enjoyed, like, teaching and going back. Is there something about it? Was it just the connections you were making with the women, or what do you think it was? I think one thing is, um, just on a very basic level, it gives me something to do. It's really hard to leave your apartment in New York and not spend money. And, you know, the public bus goes right over the bridge to the island. Um, So even though it takes a while to get out there, you know, it's for free. And um, that's one thing. And it's just... Um, you can, when I'm there, I can tell how much, um, the inmates enjoy it. Um, I really do feel like I'm making a difference. I've seen where they started, um, with me and where they are now. And it just feels good. I've, uh, I rarely leave there in a bad mood or feeling like I wasted my time. Um, you know, it's just a lot of fun and we laugh a lot and we just have a good time. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier, and I even knew when you said that you were going to be volunteering at Rikers. I mean, it's something that everybody has heard of. 
um, one of the most dangerous prisons to work in, rated one of the top 10 worst correctional facilities. But you feel like you're pretty safe there. I mean, you obviously have to go through security and stuff. But yeah, yeah, and I have I have an escort um, that is there with me. She's not actually in my classroom, but um, I don't ever I don't ever feel unsafe. I did have uh, one very angry, angry student, just an angry person, and uh, there was one time when I corrected her, and I thought she might hit me, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She didn't. Uh, so, you know, but the majority, honestly, in my experience, and uh, this is for both of the prisons I've worked with, to me, prisoners are people who didn't get enough love and attention mm-hmm. when they were growing up. And they've had mostly had a lot of very bad things happen to them and in their lives. And not to say that that's an excuse or it justifies anything that they did, but um to me, it's quite clear that they simply want attention. And um, a lot of times the things that they're doing on the outside to get them locked up are um, things that they're doing for somebody to notice, um, yeah. you know, and that's, that's really sad. So I kind of forgot what, oh, I, I, am I scared? No. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. No. And they're even the ones who I see in the hallways because um, they're moving about they're they're fine they're uh, very chatty very friendly they're always trying to get away with something you know silly things but mm-hmm. um like I said like they just want attention they want someone to smile at them and say hello so um so yeah uh I don't ever really feel scared we've I've had um sometimes I'll, the facility will get locked down mm-hmm. um meaning we can't go anywhere nobody in or out and you have to stay where you are um, but that's never been even in the school where I, I teach or in my classroom. It's been somewhere else. And um, honestly, it's just more of a hassle because that means, you know, I might not get out for a couple hours. But um, no, they do a good job up there for the most part um, when I'm there. So that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like you do a really good job and you've written about this a little bit of seeing their potential instead of their past mistakes. And I was kind of thinking you know, like, how do you do that? But really, that's how any of us, I think, would want to be viewed. You know, we want to be seen for the good that we can do and what what can come of our actions in the future than maybe something we've done in the past. And so, you know, I, I don't know, I feel like you provide a lot of hope for them. And you definitely, I don't know, I think you just go in there and you're, you're their friend. And it just seems like such, I don't know, it seems like you make such a bond with them. And like you said, they know that you're there to help. You know, I'm sure that they are thrilled that they're being viewed for their potential and how they're helping each other out instead of what they're in there for. Yeah. So I'm somebody, uh, I've made a ton of mistakes in my life. And so that's something I, I'm really understanding of because, you know, I know what it's like to be seen for your mistakes. And to me, it's really important to give people as many chances as they need. And, um, a lot of them, their spirits are just really downtrodden and, Mm -hmm they're very discouraged and even something as simple as like get we play a game where they get to write on the whiteboard in their native language and they think it's the most fun and they just love they go up there they get to share something so simple with the rest of the class um but to them it means so much and you know hearing that they they did well or um that just knowing that they are learning something for them achieving means so much in there because they 
they really don't have anything else. And, um, so, and a lot of times they, um, haven't really achieved much. Um, most people don't know that the prison population in America reads about on a fourth grade reading level. And, Mm -hmm. um, these are English speakers and most of them they're functionally illiterate. That means they can't even hold a job uh, because of their reading level. And for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot that they don't know. And, you know, you might think, Oh, if I, if I'm going to go into a prison and teach math or English or something, I need to have a master's or know how to teach. You don't. I mean, if you can, Mm -hmm. if you know English on a fourth grade reading level, then um, you can help them. And a lot of times, I, you know, I do teach, we teach a lot of grammar. Um, they love learning grammar. They think it's so stupid because English is <laughs> hard to learn. <laughs> so, you know, just crazy, but, um, they contradictory. Love it is, it is. And in class I had, you know, we were learning a rule and one of my students applied it to another word said, okay, well, if this is this and this must be this, you know, she walked up to the board all proud and like pointed it out for me. And mm-hmm. it was so sweet. And, so smart of her to do but it was totally wrong because because English yeah and she was like you have to be freaking kidding me right now um (laughs) and I'm like I'm sorry I know you guys hate me but here's what you actually should know so um but yeah it's just we have a lot of fun and another thing that we do is they ask me a lot about with my ESL students at least they ask me so much about um just common things like um, words for specific body parts or what you call something because they just don't know. So it's always really interesting to hear, um, you know, what they want to learn about. So um, you mentioned that you have, I think it was, you have Spanish speakers, Chinese, are those the two main groups or are there other ones I'm forgetting? Yeah. So primarily it is, um, Spanish speakers and then um yeah um, about half and half with a lot of women from China and most of them really don't know any English so talk about um, how they help each other a little bit I know you wrote about this how they kind of um will like repeat phrases and stuff to learn and yeah so um there I am fortunate enough to have a couple students who know enough English that they can help the other people who speak their native language. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that I could not teach as many Chinese students that I did without um, my one student who I've written a lot about. um, I call her Jordan on my blog. And she, um, when I met her, um, she basically just um, pestered the coordinator enough to (laughs) show up to my class, which at the time was, you know, primarily teaching English speakers. And um, said she wants to know English. She, all she knows is thank you. So our first, the first time I had her, she was actually by herself because um, prison got put on lockdown after I got her. So it was just she and I, and we went around the room. I would point stuff out, and she asked me a few things. She wanted to know shower. So she is now, um, she speaks English pretty well. I won't say great. Um, pronunciation has been really hard for her. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Chinese, it's just night and day, the pronunciations. Yeah, but yeah. Um, she, she, I need her in class. I need her to translate to the other Chinese students and help them learn. And she's actually getting her GED now and, 
you know, she tells me how hard it is, but she's so smart. She's really smart. And that's what I've seen with a, a lot of my girls is they're just really, really smart. And yeah. maybe it's because they have nothing better to do. But um, being in my class, they, you know, they turn it on and they, they come to learn. And um, yeah. And then I usually it's pretty easy to find somebody to translate. I know some Spanish, mm-hmm. um, but I usually will have somebody to um, go in between. There's a lot of like arm waving, <laughs> j- drawing pictures, which they think is the funniest thing because I'm a really bad um, drawer. But um, yeah, yeah, and uh, we all figure it out together. And um, whenever they learn a new word, they all just repeat it over and over and over again. Drives me crazy, but <laughs> it's it's funny. And I have to be like, okay, st- guys, guys, stop, stop. Right. We have, we're moving on, but. You know, they just, they're dying to learn. They really are. And that's something I think we took for granted probably growing up and you and I both growing up in private schools, um, just even like taking achieving and learning for granted because it was such the norm, you know? Oh, yeah. And I mean, when I hear about what some of these women have been through, there's so much that we take for granted. Even just, yeah, you know, one of my girls said that she never even had one of her parents smile at her. smile at her oh my gosh you know and it's like it's crazy um how much we do take for granted especially um you know I don't really get into what they did or um some of them tell me some of them don't and you know a lot of the stories I hear um albeit from their perspective so you know I'm not sure the exact details of what happened but um you know, it, a lot of it seems like wrong place, wrong time. I know, um, I don't know how many people heard this story. I forget his name now, but um, an inmate at Rikers on the male side, he was arrested for, I believe, shoplifting and um, was held for three years in Rikers. And he spent the majority of that sentence, um, or not even sentenced, he wasn't sentenced, he was awaiting trial. Mm. And... Um, he spent the majority of that in the Bing, which is what they call um, solitary confinement. Wow. Um, and it ended up all of the charges against him were dropped. So mm. he spent three years in there for nothing, essentially. And he ended up committing suicide because of how hard it was being by himself, um, going through this treatment. And um, not to say that, you know, they're all innocent or, you know, all the stories are like that, but you do see that a lot more than you realize. And I think that, um, something that we do take for granted is if I got in trouble in a big way like that, you know, my parents would fight for me and do what they had to do. Right. And, um, not only that, but being white here gives me an advantage already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've yeah. read a lot of cases and seen a lot, but things would turn out differently for me than it might for other people in this country. And it's just sad. You know, I can't imagine losing my freedom over something that I didn't do. Right. And um, I can't wrap my head around that. And so it can be tough to appreciate even just freedom, being able to wake up and say, here's exactly what I want to do today, even if it's lay in bed all day. Yeah, can absolutely. do that. Wow. You know, and they can't. So um, mm-hmm. I think if you explore into the justice system at all, um, you'll see a lot of cases like that where, um, you know, they just um, people aren't getting what they deserve. So um, right. it's sad. 
I do think since um, starting this and um, since doing it, there's a lot of things that maybe I would get upset about before Mm -hmm. or would really annoy me or make me mad. But now I'm, you know, I can kind of roll with it a little better because I think of those, you know, basic freedoms that I have. And uh, when you gain a bit of perspective, um, we have it pretty good. Uh, we have it really good, actually. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think um, it's to me, it's extremely important. And I think it should be important for everyone to um, kind of um, look beyond yourself and see what it's like for other people. Um, you know, not just um, the people in prison, but for the people in our country and in other countries, you know, they have it a lot worse than we do for whatever reason, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that that may be, but I think, um, perspective is something that a lot of people need and, um, a lot of people should really, um, think about and try to learn more about. Yeah. And just try and see it from, um, another person's view than your own instead of worrying about, you know, being right, being empathetic and, and really looking at it from all points of view. Um, another thing I read when I was looking at Rikers is that it costs the city $209,000 per person for one year to detain them at Rikers. And just you telling me that story about that guy that was there for three years, you know, that's like upwards of $600,000 for someone of like taxpayer dollars. Yeah. And he was innocent. And so that, yeah, I I wasn't sure if I was going to include that stat or where I'd fit it in, but that's really disappointing. (laughs) That's really disappointing. And you know, it varies from prison to prison, but people should be more interested in the justice system and how it works because of how many people we have behind bars Mm, and um we have more prisoners than china or russia per capita Mm. and um the united states holds 25 percent of the world's prisoners Mm. you know and we pay for all of that so you know these people that, that get locked up um they don't get a fair trial or they you know um the, the Constitution affords us the right to a speedy trial, and most people don't get that these days because mm-hmm. of how many people are point. locked up. And, and uh, we should all be a little more concerned. Um, you know, this, this population is um, very ostracized, very marginalized, but, um, you know, we're paying for all of them. Another thing that a lot of people don't know is that, that um, if you commit a uh, Class C felony or higher you are most likely going to be deported. Mm. So um, that's basically anything that you can be arrested for. But first, before they deport you, they're going to make you serve a sentence. If you if you have a green card, if you're on a okay. green card, if you're here on a visa, um, if you're an official U.S. citizen, that doesn't apply. Well, but, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. you were saying they have to serve a sentence before they're deported. Right. So depending on what you do, we could be paying for these people to stay here for 20, 25, 30 years. And then once they get released, we're just sending them back to where they came from, which is to me is crazy. You know, and I don't Mm -hmm. I think people should pay for what they do. Absolutely. But we're paying for them to pay for it. So um, 
you know, and I know all of that is wrapped up in a whole lot of things, a whole lot of other things with um, immigrants and the justice system and all of that. But um, that's a lot of money for somebody that ultimately we're, we're going to send away. So um, just something else um, that I think a lot of people don't know, but um, might be interested to hear. Yeah, yeah. No, those are definitely some good things that people do need to know. And I think it's easy to brush off if you don't personally know anybody. Um, You know, we come from pretty good families. And if, you know, we might not personally know anybody that um, is in prison or has dealt, you know, with the justice system or whatever. And um, I think it's just good to know and hear about because we do need to be kind of aware of what's going on with um, our country and with our money. And also another thing, and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't, you know, I don't know that you do either, but I think we've got to work at rehabilitating people that are coming out of prison a little bit better because they've served this time in prison and they're getting out. Um, So obviously they've, you know, it's been ruled that they're okay to be out. And, um, but then when they try and get a job or try and get an apartment, you know, they have to apply for those things. And it's, difficult because they've got a criminal history or what have you. And, you know, I I don't know what the answer is, but I just know there's probably got to be a better way because we're making it really difficult for those people to be rehabilitated and, you know, be free. Yeah. And I I think a lot of that starts behind bars. I don't necessarily know or believe that the system that we have in place now um, is conducive to um, rehabilitating Um, which of course with the amount of people behind bars, you know, there's no easy fix and, um, there's definitely not a, a a quick solution, but, um, I think, um, treating people with a little more dignity and humanity when, um, they're behind bars would help them. I think, um, education plays a big part in that. Like I said, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if, if you can't if you can't work anywhere then how are you going to make money how are you going to just feed yourself you know mm-hmm. um sometimes you you don't know any better but to resort to um you know obtaining what you need illegally or what have you but um so i think it starts um inside prison and um it is just about um, giving people a chance and um, I've met people who I think are, are very bitter about how they were treated and what's important to remember kind of in the same vein is like you know I know, I know a lot of people who say well you know these people are getting what deserve what they deserve you know treat them however you know treat them according to what they deserve but you have to look at recidivism rates you know um, mm-hmm. when you have men and women behind bars that aren't being rehabilitated they're going out into society and they're doing all these same things again right right and the problem just continues to grow so you have to break the cycle somewhere somehow and you know these men and women are being released into your communities around your children around your family around your friends and so you know you may not think that more humanity is giving them what they deserve but you have to think about what we deserve as a society. And again, when people go back to prison a second time, you're still paying for it. So I think even just at the most basic level, educating these men and women helps everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe that um, 
also goes with humane treatment and you know just better conditions overall yeah absolutely and that which is why what you're doing is so important kind of to you know I didn't know we were going to talk about all that but I'm so glad that we did you know but kind of going back to you personally um you started a blog and you write a lot about or you tell a lot of stories about what happens um, during your time at Rikers. And um, what made you want to start writing about it and sharing? I think primarily to um, offer more insight on this population. Mm-hmm. Most people I know haven't been to a prison. Yeah. Um, and uh, we do have this stigma in our society about um, who a prisoner is, what they look like, how they act, what they're all about. You know, I, I want to uh, share what they are really like with people. And um, also, they're just really entertaining women so I mean you know I, I have a I have a great story every week when we leave class um, some of which are okay to share um, with everyone some not so much a little a uh, little more colorful but um, you know it's just I try to keep them short and sweet but there's always a story to tell yeah and it's just so good um, if you don't mind I'm gonna read one of your posts um, titled retribution and I don't know, like it just gave me, I feel like, a lot of insight and also made me cry. So I just want to share a little bit of your writing. Yeah, go ahead. This is from January 17th, 2018. Her hand felt warm as her fellow inmate placed it into mine. You've been skipping my class, Tanya, I quipped with false accusation. I've been busy, Miss Pretty, she retorted. Neither one of us wanted to acknowledge what had happened. Like if we didn't mention it, we could both pretend we don't remember. The dark crescent moon bruise under her right eye refused to let me forget. I guided her the rest of the way to our usual classroom and to her usual desk. Her hand reached out to feel for the edges so she knew where to sit. I fought back tears as I rifled through my notebook. I found a poem and offered to read it to her. I steadied my voice and began. If Tanya's eyes surrendered to the tears, I wouldn't let win. But a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. I quietly crooned, hoping my words could heal her heart just a little. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. When I finished, she smiled, and I remember that one from before, Miss Pretty, and this time I know more words. The rest of the class eventually arrives and we carry on as we always do. We discuss pronouns and I use a mysterious man named Ricardo for all my examples. The women were beside themselves with laughter every time I rolled the R at the beginning of his name. Once I got home, I allowed my knees to find the hardwood floor and I cried. I cried for Tanya and what she went through that day. I cried for the unclean hands that sought retribution from her body and left her permanently blind. When I rose from the floor, I poured a glass of dark liquor and Googled Braille on my laptop. I won't let Tanya stop learning, but that's fine because neither will she. And then, you know, her name has been changed for obvious reasons. But man, just so good. I mean, even if, you know, I don't know, it's just the way you put the stories into words. It's just, I feel like people really feel that when they read it and when they hear that. And and we need to, we need to know what's going on to people in, in prisons and people that we typically neglect or don't think about. And so um, I just want to thank you for that. That was just thank you. so good. You're welcome, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And like, oh, just, I appreciate that. 
just, you know, you being willing to look up Braille. And I know you talk about Jordan and how she came in knowing nothing. And then she went on to um, be in the class. And did she get her GED? Is that what happened? She's still working on it. She, yeah, um, but still, that's so awesome. She came in knowing thank you, and now she's working on it, you know? I just think it's really cool. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I was going to say, I think you do just a really good job of relating to and being around um, whoever you're around, you know, whether you're in the prison, you currently live in Harlem, you um, get really comfortable in situations or places that are nothing like the area you grew up in, but yet you're so relatable and fun and relaxed, you know, like rolling your R and getting them to laugh at Ricardo. And, you know, you don't come off as fake. You're just very genuine, whatever situation you're in, you know, how do you think you do that? Can you, can you help us out here? Um, that's a great, that's a great question. I mean, you've always just unapologetically been yourself, which I appreciate. Well, I, I would like to add that I try to tell a lot of jokes that for whatever reason do not land with these women. I think it's because, <laughs> you know, English isn't their first language and yeah. some of these might be American jokes, but I get a lot of blank stares after my jokes. So I do, I do want to uh, point that out, but, um, I don't know. I think I've always kind of been that way. I think the older I get, I have shedded some of my insecurities and you know being behind bars where you know it's easy to feel comfortable with them they're wearing matching pajamas they can't wear any makeup and they're there to see you so Mm -hmm. you know it's really easy just to um, be yourself and kind of let your guard down around them Um, especially when you guys are just talking about English but I do find you know a lot of what we talk about turns quickly into um, hearing about their life and their story and learning from them as well. But back to your question, I think, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's the only way I know how to be. And to me, honesty is really important. And I try to treat everyone exactly the same, whether, you know, that's my boss or somebody behind bars. It's really important to me to be the same to everybody. And I think people on all levels um, appreciate that. Even if they're at the top, you know, they're the most powerful person you know, you know, a lot of times people don't treat them just regular, you know, as a person. And I think even they appreciate that as well. Not only the Mm -hmm. people, you know, that may be considered, you know, the lowest or the somebody that um, may be treated unfairly. I think both ends of the spectrum really do appreciate that. Um, and I think more and more, um, especially in this day and age, people appreciate authenticity, um, especially when it's something that, um, they can relate to. We get a lot of, we see a lot of fake things, a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people in this society who, um, lie or misrepresent who they are or you know whatever it may be and to me even if I don't like what you have to say I appreciate honesty and hearing the truth and you know real recognizes real and I think um, that's how I try to be so yeah absolutely which also I should probably note your tagline on your blog which you know it's magic number five and it's like but where I keep it 100 or where I keep it 100 oh yeah which you can um, fully count on that um, if you're going to be reading your stuff. So why don't you um, p- 
pimp out your blog, if you will, give it a little plug. <sighs> if people want to read more of these amazing stories, um, from Rikers um, and just from your heart. Yeah, absolutely. So it used to be called reading Rikers and recidivism, but then I decided that I had a lot more to say than just about what I do behind bars. And mm -hmm. so now I write, I've written in a while. I'm a little bit bad at keeping up with it. I write on a blog called magic number five. So that's one word, magic number five dot wordpress.com. And lately I've been thinking more about social injustice as a whole and about racial inequality. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've written about that a lot more lately because as a country, we're, we're struggling with that a little bit. And yeah. I think um, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. And I, I write about that. And, you know, I don't want to mince words. I think uh, as a white person, as a white woman, I have a responsibility. I think all white people do. And for the longest time and even still today, I don't I don't know that I have fully taken on that responsibility in the way that I should. And mm -hmm. um, so these days, that's what uh, that's what I've written about. I believe my last post was about that. So um, yeah. there is my plug. If you want to learn more about <laughs> those things or what comes from the mind of Amanda, then you should check that out. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. It really is. And I wouldn't just say that. And I definitely think people should check it out. And, you know, you have a unique perspective being who you are. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about all of the areas and while you've worked for such brands such as Ralph Lauren and Warby Parker, but then, you know, in your spare time, you're, you're at Rikers and now being a flight attendant, I know you see so much and I think you just have a really unique perspective on the world and I really appreciate your writing. Okay. I have two questions that I like to end the podcast with, and I want to know what is strong first and then what is beautiful? What does strength look like to you? What is beauty? Hit me with it. Uh, well, um, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Both of them are, but I'll uh, see what I can do. To me, again, these days, I feel like strength is you got out of bed this morning um, mm -hmm. and hopefully brushed your teeth. I think for a lot of us, especially with everything going on um, in the world, to me, that's strong. I know a lot of women, especially they give themselves these long to-do lists or they um, uh, try to make themselves feel bad for all the things that they're not doing or the things that I, they aren't. And mm -hmm. to me, I think if you made it out of bed and you put on clothes and brushed your teeth and you're functioning, that's strong. I mean, you did something. And I think more people need to remember that because some days that might be all you have. Um, but as long as you're moving forward, um, there's strength in that. Wow. Um, yeah. I think people needed to hear that. It's a word preach. <laughs> as far as beauty goes, um, obviously, uh, I have to say it comes from the inside. You know, there are a lot of outwardly beautiful people as well. I think, um, beyond outward beauty, beauty itself is something these days, I think that it's kind of all been lumped into people are trying to have the, maybe the same definition mm -hmm. of it. It's this, you know, these things. Um, and maybe that's kind of what women get hung up on. I need to be these things to be beautiful, uh, myself included. But um, I think ultimately beauty is 
something that is individual to each person. Mm -hmm. Um, We all have different traits that are beautiful and um, specific things that God gave us that make us beautiful. And the second you try to start being somebody else's version of beautiful is, um, you know, that's like a slap in the face to God. And I, so I think Mm -hmm. to me, it's, um, it's something that's individual um, to everyone, to each person. Yeah. So embracing yourself, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like I've, I've realized that a lot and um, kind of written about it recently and talked about it here on the podcast with my health coach, Christina. But, you know, when you learn to love yourself and love the person God created you to be, there's so much to that and so much confidence that can come from that. And it's just something really special because you don't sit around and, and look at nature and or any of other you know, God's creation and go like, that's disgusting. You know, we only do that to yourself and you really shouldn't. Right. And, uh, a sidebar, I want to encourage everyone that listens to this, all three of you, um, that, um, <laughs> it'll uh, be more than three, quite a few more uh, than three. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope so. But, um, if you see somebody and you, a quality of theirs just really stands out to you, whether that's outwardly or inwardly, say something to them, tell them, you know, Mm. you don't realize how much, even if you just say, Oh my gosh, I love your hair. People are like, thank you so much. (laughs) You know, they love that people. You love that. Everybody loves that. Sure do. If you meet somebody and you're just like, wow, you are so nice. Like they're going to be so happy to hear that today. Somebody that told me that I gave them an Anna Kendrick vibe. And I was like, Oh, "Oh, you do give Anna Kendrick vibes. That's a good call. That's Thank so cool. you, Kelly. See, uh, yeah. it's just, it makes you feel great. So, um, yeah. And accept the compliment if it's given to you. I'm so yes. quick to brush things off. We've been talking about this with my Bible study group a lot. Like if someone says something nice to you, just say, thank you. Instead of being like, oh, it's nothing. It's whatever, you know, just say thank yeah. you and accept it. You'll feel so much better. Exactly. And I think a, a lot of people don't realize how many people might look at you and be like, dang, I wish I had that. Or, wow, that looks really good on her. I wish I could pull that off. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more people are thinking it, but I, I think a lot more people should um, should say it. Should express so, it. Yeah. That's everybody's sure. homework uh, <laughs> or whatever. You didn't know yeah. you were going to come on here and give out homework today. Yeah, I, I didn't. Mostly because I never did my homework in school. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, so, my yeah. goodness. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so grateful for you, our friendship, and everything you're doing um, up at Rikers. It's truly awesome to watch. So, yeah, just thank you. You're killing it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I just love it when smart people are on the podcast. And not only do they get to share a small part of their story, but they also get to educate us and make us think Uh, I think I definitely experienced that with Kelsey last week, learning about addiction, and also with this conversation. I really realized how much I take for granted and how privileged I am, and really how out of the loop I am when it comes to the justice system. One thing um, I meant to touch on more with Amanda, and she briefly mentioned it at the beginning, um, but prisons are looking for volunteers, and oftentimes if you will look at your local prison's website or call them, they will be more than happy to get you an application to volunteer. 
Um, if you want to read more of Amanda's blog, I've got that linked below in the show notes. And I just want to say a big thank you to all of you for being here today. And of course, I want you to remember you are strong, beautiful, and so much more. I hope you have a great week.